This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the mom room. Does anybody else revolve their schedule and week around when they are going to wash their hair? Because this is a huge problem that I deal with, especially now because I started hot yoga and you get just ridiculously sweaty in hot yoga. So it's not like I can do a hot yoga class and then, you know, have something important to go to without washing my hair. And I'm really trying to limit my hair washing to twice a week. And it was easy before I started hot yoga. But now, and especially because I got a facial in Sudbury, so she did some work on my neck and my scalp when some products are sitting on your face for a while. My aunt like did my shoulders and my scalp and I was like, oh, this is magical. So I didn't wash my hair before that appointment because she warned me. And then today I had a jaw appointment to get deep tissue work done on my jaw. And I was like, oh, for sure, because I have a lot of pain in my temporal area. I was like, for sure, she's gonna be up in my hair. So I'm not gonna wash my hair. But I am so greasy right now. But I have a hot yoga class scheduled in a few hours. And it's killing me to not wash my hair. But I knew this was going to happen because last night I was like, oh my God, I want to wash my hair so badly. But what's the point? Because I have my jaw appointment and then I have a hot yoga class. And it's like, when does it end? You know, because I'll probably book a hot yoga class on Friday. So it's like, do I not wash my hair tonight? Because tomorrow morning I'm going to go do another hot yoga class. You know what I'm saying? So I think tonight I might just wash my hair, but not blow dry it and just do like a quick wash. And then tomorrow do a thorough wash because I can't stand myself right now. So anyways, it's a little bit about, it's a little bit about my, my hair washing situation. Today's episode has nothing to do with hair. It has everything to do with sleep. And Amanda Jusen is back. She has been on the podcast a few times. She's one of my favorite people to talk to. We could just like talk, 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 talk. Honestly, we had a meeting because she's been helping me with sleep stuff, just like giving me pointers. And I was complaining to her about my lack of sleep the week before my period. So we were seeing if there was anything I could change. We get into it in this episode. But I met with her just to like shoot the shit for an hour. And I was like, oh my God, can we post that as like a podcast? Because it's just so, I love talking to her. It's just very entertaining. So usually Amanda comes on the podcast to talk about children's sleep. And we might touch on that in this episode. I don't remember. But today it is mostly about adults sleep. Like how can we get a better sleep? Are there things that we're doing before bed or, you know, overnight that we can change to enhance our sleep? And of course we get into like hormones and the week before my period and all that good stuff. So without further ado, guys, take down some notes. Let's all get some better sleep. Okay. Please welcome Amanda Jusen to the mom room. I have this important question to ask you. So I don't know if you saw, but a while back I asked, no, this is how it started. My sister texted me and she's like, I'm going to start a Housewives franchise from the beginning, like season one, episode one, which one should I start with? And I was like, oh my God, this is such an important question. Like I had to think about it and... I was very jealous that she was going to get to like experience that for the first I have time. Goosebumps, literally goosebumps. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I ended up telling her New Jersey, 
And so I put that up on my Instagram stories and then people were like, what? Like some people agreed with me, mm-hmm. but the majority of people did not agree with New Jersey. So I'm curious what you would have said. So I, I, I think I've shared this with you, but I have three girlfriends that I watch Housewives with every other Thursday on a Zoom call. We're very serious about Housewives, and we have been asked collectively this question many times. We often default to New York. I feel like New York is an OG of the Housewives, one of them. But then it really depends on what you're looking for, because each franchise has its own flavor. And I think as they were sort of coming out, like the the OC is really the OG. And I think watching the transformation of Housewives from OC to something as glamorous as Beverly Hills now and just what they're offering. So like Beverly Hills, you're watching for aspirational wealth and like ridiculous fashions. And then like Salt Lake City you're watching them try to be that almost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I do like New York because it's gone through many different iterations of itself. It's had a lot of changes. I think if you are also starting with a new franchise right now, you could start with New York really fresh with this season because it's, brand, it's a brand new cast. I don't know. Honestly, I, I feel like I'm too deep, actually, to answer this question. It should be an easy question, but I think really deeply about the housewives. I was debating between New York and New Jersey because I loved watching New York as well. The like thing about New Island Jersey is iconic. What is it called? Do you know what the episode where Kelly Bensman goes on a boat and be- with Bethany Frankel? The whole, like, I mean, we can have a discussion, but, like, I think that Kelly Bensman did have a mental health episode, which is, you know, not great. But that whole, not that particular episode, but that series of episodes, that trip to, oh, God, where did they go? Was it Turks and Caicos? Where Jill Zarin shows up and is like, hi. Like, <laughs> it is that whole I don't know, three to four episodes, or maybe it feels like three to four episodes. It could have been two. I I, I have watched them <laughs> individually on my own, and that was my gateway drug into The Housewives, is, is watching this scene with, like, Kelly and Bethany and me watching being like, is this for real? Is this an actual show? And then all of the things that came out, honestly, I think it's, like, unbelievable. That's wild. I need to go back and watch that. Like, I feel like I I forget, you know, a lot of the stuff that that mm-hmm. goes on. Well, you fall asleep. But for to some it. reason, like, <laughs> there's things in New Jersey that like I'll never forget. Like the what was it the the christening or like the baptism or whatever it was Table for flip? one of the kids and like the huge like the family yes. fight. Like it was just wild. I think, so I just want to like go back and say that Jersey is also a great answer, but I think Jersey is its own flavor. It is such a flavor within the franchise and it doesn't really follow the typical trajectory of a housewives, I guess, franchise, but Jersey. Because it's a lot about family dynamics. Yes. And the husbands. Yes, the husbands get paid in Jersey, and they don't get paid in any other franchise. Maybe Salt Lake, but that hasn't been confirmed. Jersey is amazing. Those first four seasons with Danielle Staub, 
unbelievable. <laughs> it is wild. Wild. <laughs> we should have a Housewives recap episode. Literally. Like, literally. <laughs> I got a lot to say. I might be going to see, because Luann is back in Toronto October 5th for the cabaret thing, and I might be going with my friend, so I'm excited for that. I want to stop you there for a second. You should make every effort to go to that show. It was the first thing I did as like a a real person post, I don't want to say post-pandemic, I know that's a controversial thing to say, but... Like when people could do things and go out, that was the very first thing I did. It was the most joy I had personally experienced. I could not, she delivers. I can't tell you, it's still like one of the top 10 experiences of my existence. And I'm not even kidding. I think for a minute. Does she sing? Yeah, she sings. It's just ridiculous. And I it's exactly what I needed at that time. Like I'm an extrovert and being cooped up in my house for as long as we were was not good for me. So to really actually be like, okay, I'm going out. My friends and I, we all dressed in a white tee in this statement necklace. We were in like the very back of the theater and just like Luann is a gifted performer maybe not singer, but just gave it all to the audience. She does this whole Q&A part of her show. It is so great. I We have actually collectively decided not to go back because it was so good. We don't want to, like, ruin it. Like, what if it's not as good? But it's it's really good. You should go if you can. Did you see that Sonia is coming to Toronto? I did. So what does I she did. do? Do you know? No idea. I don't know why I'm less inclined to do that. I don't know. I think I'm worried. Like, Sonia is a vulnerable person. I'm worried for her being on screen as it is with full editing. But to see her live, I don't know what she's doing. Like, do you remember her Caberlesque? Do you remember her toaster? Like, when she did this whole thing, Caber, she does things. I don't want to go and feel sad for her. That's all. So I don't want to go. So the graphic design on the end was incredible. So I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm telling you, I have like big feelings about all the housewives. Okay, we will get into the topic that we're actually supposed to talk about. I just, that's (laughs) important stuff. Four people left. (laughs) They're like, no, this is not about sleep. Like, what podcast is this? (laughs) Um, Okay, so usually we talk about kids' sleep, but today we are going to talk about adult sleep. So you and I met... A couple weeks ago, and, you know, just went on some rants about sleep. I have never had an issue sleeping, very lucky. Recently, though, and it's all kind of happened at the same time as, you know, being irritable before my period and super heavy periods, like all the things, and something that came along with that stuff is insomnia the week before my period. I came to find out that that is extremely common and it's something that happens because of hormones, because of if you've never had sleep problems, you probably 
maybe don't have like the healthiest routines, like behavioral routines for sleep in the first place. And so now you have to kind of start looking at like, what can I do to get a better sleep? And you are like a sleep person. Did you experience the same kind of thing? Like me personally with clients or as a No, no, no. Like like you yourself, Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. you experience periods of your life where you had trouble sleeping? So I had... Like, honestly, the the overarching answer is no. I am really good at sleeping. I am obsessed with sleep, which is why I do this work, because I am very protective of my sleep. And I just know how I don't function. I'm, like, really notorious for not being a well woman if I don't sleep. So there has – I had a breakup in university that was, like, so awful, and that was my first – and hopefully only bout with insomnia. And it was truly agonizing, truly. The like not being able to fall asleep, having to get up and like deal with my day. It was, it was really, really challenging for me. Beyond that, I mean, obviously when my children were born, I didn't really sleep all that well. I did have a small time. I think that there is something, whether it's like, perimenopause, change after having kids. I did have some like stuff going on for a little while, about three years after the birth of my second daughter. I don't think my like hormones ever fully recovered from that. So I've definitely experienced, I wouldn't even say like night sweats. I'm not even really a sweater, but I would wake up really, really hot and I'm not a hot person. I run cold all the time. So I was experiencing like hot flashes without the actual like sweating part. That impacted me a little bit, but I've done some like medical stuff since then that's helped with that quite significantly. But I do, like I know what it's like not to sleep and this is sort of what I do for a living. So I'm I'm well aware. And to your point about, well, actually, I, I'm curious, like, have you shared specific, like you shared on this podcast about like your particular journey. But I think that, so when I did my training, I worked with babies forever. And then I noticed that Every time, well, I shouldn't say every time, maybe about a third of the time, the parents would say, hey, I'm not sleeping. What do I do for me? And I was like, oh, I don't actually know. And I wasn't qualified to like do it. So in the last three years, I completed my social work degree. I'm a registered social worker now. Woohoo. I trained in cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And I trained doing this, like, basically an online course with these two experts in CBTI. One of them is Colleen Carney, who is, like, the insomnia person. And she's from Toronto, which is really cool. She's at Toronto Metropolitan University. And then she has another partner that she teaches with from Duke University. And actually, had reached out to both of them to be like, hey, you know, what we really didn't discuss in our training was any sort of menopause or hormonal-related insomnia. Because actually, insomnia, as you've described it, is clinically not considered insomnia because it's not persistent. It's something that only happens at like one week out of the month. So then what happens is because it's not typically related to 
what we would really look at, which is like not sleeping for more than three times a week over three weeks or three months. And we'd want to be seeing like consistent problems with sleep over time. But the tricky thing about hormonal-based insomnia is it might come and go with hormones. The other thing regarding that is so like, yes, it's, it's driven physically, but there's actually some limiting beliefs that could be associated with that, that. And that's sort of what I can work with as well. She basically, one of the instructors wrote me and were like, no, but this is an issue. And I was like, I think we should write a book. <laughs> she didn't write me that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, it's a, it's a thing. Like, I think that we actually do need to talk about it. So I imagine if you're experiencing it, lots of your listeners are too. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. I never would have even understood what was going on if I didn't, like I had regular appointments with my naturopath 
for like digestion, for all kinds of things. And one of the appointments, she was like, how's your sleep? And I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, you know what I mean? It's something that like would happen all the time. I didn't clue into me that it was happening at a specific time every single month. It was just like, oh, fuck, I'm not sleeping again. Like, this sucks. But like, when she asked me that question, I was like, oh, like no one's ever asked me this before. And I was like, actually, like a few days every single month, it seems, or like every once in a while, I'm not sleeping. Like I either will fully not sleep all night and be wide awake, or I will fall asleep. And then a few hours later, I will be wide awake and can't fall back asleep. And she was like, okay, like I want you to pay attention to when those days are with regard to your cycle. And I was like, okay, turns out it's the week before my period every single time, which is also the week where like I was more irritable. Those were like my biggest, I would say, symptoms is like irritability and then the sleep. And Around the same time, I did a podcast episode with Miranda Poppin, and her Instagram is The Period Lab, and she does lots of stuff around like women's cycles and hormone health and balancing hormones. And so her biggest thing to me was like, you need to eat more, like in general, and you need to eat more protein. And I was, I was the kind of person that was like, if there's something vegan on the menu, like I'm going to get that. Like I was just, I don't know, I liked to eat in that way. Now I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, give me all the steak. Like I want all the steak and I want like the actual hamburger and especially that week before my period. So I really started making changes and being mindful about what I'm eating during that week which has made a huge difference on both those things, like sleep and moodiness. Also, though, I will take melatonin for that week, which, what are your thoughts on melatonin? Because I remember a while back listening to the Huberman Lab episode where he talks all about sleep, and he is like very much anti-melatonin, and he recommends other supplements. Even with children's sleep, like what are your thoughts on melatonin? I think that, so what we have to remember about melatonin is that it is a hormone. So, and it is available over the counter because it is naturally derived in things like cherries and almonds. So therefore you can slap a natural label on it. You can sell it, but it would just be similar to you popping into your drugstore and picking up some estrogen or testosterone. Melatonin is a hormone. And so why I worry about that is, number one, there are some question marks around safety and efficacy in that when you start supplementing, you might stop producing to because your body is trying to regulate, right? So if you're saying, I take this many milligrams, your body's like, okay, we don't need to do that anymore. So because we have this coming in. So there's a risk to that. I think, honestly, I really like evidence, and we just don't have any great conclusive evidence. Melatonin, also, the function of melatonin is not to make you sleepy. What melatonin is really effective in doing and where you might want to supplement are things like jet lag. So let's say you're in a different spot and your circadian rhythm is sort of like, your your circadian rhythm is your body's 
clock, basically. And it's like on a timer and it tells you when to do things, when to eat, when to pee, poo, wake, and when to produce certain hormones to wake up and fall asleep. So in the morning, we produce cortisol and adrenaline, other stress hormones to wake us up. And at nighttime, we produce melatonin. And so melatonin, people think, oh, it's going to make me sleepy. In some ways it does, but essentially melatonin's function is to shut your body down. So to say, no more peeing, no more pooping, all the functions, we shut it down, we're going to rest and digest. So if you are, you know, flying, for example, in a different spot in the world and your body is not producing melatonin when it should be, you can kind of kickstart it into getting back on track. And even then, that's a really short-term occasional use. Maybe ideally four to seven days, you'd be using melatonin. But because there's a lot of question marks about melatonin and because it's a hormone, I'm really reluctant to recommend melatonin, especially for children. It has been linked to, I believe it's like delayed puberty in adolescence. Last year, I just talked about this yesterday on my TikTok. You see like this this woman, and look, I know it's a joke. I have a sense of humor. I know what the, the thing is about. And I'm like, come on. I always like stitch these videos of people trying to make jokes. And I'm like, oh, but actually let's talk about it. So I seem humorless, but I know why it's funny. This woman like made a TikTok of this like funny person singing in the background She's like, oh, it's my kid on like two melatonin gummies and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, here's why you need to be thinking about melatonin. One of the reasons is that the CDC released a report last year saying that overdoses with children in melatonin went up 530% with the start of the pandemic. So it completely coincides with people being at home, parents being stressed, kids you know, being home for the first time at certain times. So parents are like giving this because it's all natural, right? It doesn't matter. It's just a vitamin. So there are overdoses or kids ending up in, in the hospital with poison control. So people don't even know how to use it properly. And that's the other thing, like you're generally buying adult doses and trying to figure out what to give for your kid. It's not regulated. You also don't know, especially like, look, I'm all for supplements. I'm going to suggest some better supplements for sleep in a second. But you really need to be thoughtful with the quality of the supplement that you're taking as well. Because, you know, there's a ton of of people kind of testing these supplements and finding a lot of filler, a lot of things that aren't actually the ingredient or the potency of the supplement that you're taking isn't what the people think it's either higher or it's lower. So having a chat with your doctor is a very, like, because this is a hormone, you should be talking to your doctor about this. Even me, I'm a social worker. I work in behavioral methods to help these things. You should take my advice with a grain of salt and chat with your doctor about, or, or your naturopath, people who do this for a living, about what that looks like for you. I'm So I'm like... I am very like a quarter of me loves melatonin, but like three quarters of me is sort of, I don't think you need it. There's actually, so, so now I'm going to go off on a tangent. So during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, people were talking about how people who 
it was like that they produced a certain amount of melatonin, like people who produced a certain amount of melatonin and slept a certain amount of hours were recovering really well from COVID. They had minimal effects during it, or it was often a mild, what do you call it, infection. And so they wanted to figure out what that was. And so all of a sudden, all of these people just went out and bought melatonin. Well, I have all this melatonin, but actually it works backwards. The reason why these people were producing good amounts of melatonin when they should are because their behavior is aligned with allowing their body to produce it. So your body produces it all on your own. Ideally, you don't need any supplementation. There are some instances where neurodivergent people benefit. They might produce melatonin. Again, that's something you discuss with your doctor. But the average person, neurotypical person, shouldn't really need to supplement. You can actually increase your own. You can supplement changing some of your behaviors, reducing screen use. This is, I know, this is like the most base. I even hate saying it because it it's so said so many times that I think people don't hear it anymore. It's like, yeah, 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 don't use the screen. But blue light, we're talking blue light in your screen, on your television, Blue light on your clocks, on your humidifiers, tells your brain the sun is up. And then your your brain says, we don't need this melatonin right now because the sun is up, okay? We produce 30%, on average, 30% less melatonin when you're looking at your screen before bed. So for some people, that's going to be very impectful. Does a Kindle have blue light? Yes, you've already asked okay, me this. Okay, but let me, yes. Google, let me Google it right this fucking second. Do because it. Because Kindle You don't think I've looked this light. up already? <laughs> you don't think I? Have I? To, I, I have to see it for myself. <laughs> Kindle does use blue light for backlighting. God damn it. But mine's on the setting where it's like black with white text. Still How are you light. seeing the white text, Renee? Oh, my God. Like, for some reason, I was like, a Kindle doesn't have blue light, and that's what I'm going to believe, and that's... <laughs> a lot of people do. I have this fight every day. Look, I the Kindle is designed to look like paper, but it's not paper. If you can see it in the dark, it's not paper. If it, it, I mean, any light. And, and let's even go so extreme. Now, I'll say... Everyone is so different with this, okay? Because I can look at my phone and I do sleep well. But when I sleep with my phone outside of my room and I really take a 30-minute break, I have the best sleep of my life. I am not encouraged to wake up and look at it right away and waste time in the morning. Like, your phones are not good for you, okay? So that's base. But there there were a, a few studies, like I want to say two years ago, I don't know, my the pandemic has like totally screwed my like time. You know what I mean? Everything feels last year. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So there was a study that came out that like I would recommend uh, orange and red and yellow lights for night lights. Now they're saying any amount of light at all whatsoever, blue, oranges, it is impacting sleep and it's impacting melatonin production. Something that Huberman mentioned was in the evening to get rid of any light that's above your head. And so using lamps, using like the lights that are plugged in, that are low, whatever it might be, 
if the sun is in the sky, like the receptors for us to receive that light are facing upwards. So if you have lights that are low, it's not going to get into those receptors as much. Like, look at me. I'm a fucking scientist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I always remember that. And like, we need lamps in the house. And then he did mention about the red lights, but you're saying research is now saying that's just as bad as the white lights or? Well, I'm sure it has to do with quality as well, but this was around children's sleep and how it was impacting children's sleep specifically. So now when I make these suggestions for families, I sort of give them the option, like see how your kid is sleeping. My kids still sleep with a very dim red light and they don't seem to be impacted by that. The proof is in the pudding. I always say if you're having sleep problems, that could be something that you evaluate. Blue light specifically though, there are so many baby sleep products that are filled with blue light. I got in so much shit on TikTok because again, someone was like, hey, like look at this awesome baby sleep product I found. And then humorless Amanda uh, stitches that (laughs) and is like, actually no, because it was like this aquarium, baby aquarium, the baby Einstein aquarium. And they are, they like attach to the crib and they are, it's literally a floating aquarium. And so you see these babies and they're like mesmerized by it a hundred percent and they're quiet. Great. But their whole room is blue. And I'm like, oh my God. And then, so I, I said this in a really nice way. And all these people are like, yeah, yeah, you hate everything. (laughs) And you just, I'm like, no, I just want your babies to sleep. But blue light is really impactful. So maybe, because like you were saying, everyone is going to be affected a little bit differently. For the most part, I have zero issues reading my Kindle before bed. But then, because I remember you and I talked about not reading my Kindle in my bed right before I fall asleep, which like I'm a little bit of an addict, so I struggle with that one. But maybe the week before my period to make that change, like read a paper book Instead, So what if you have a paper book and you have one of those little lights on it to illuminate the pages? Like, are those lights blue light? Yeah. What the like, fuck I mean, is everything blue light? A lot of it is now. Yeah, a lot of it is like LED white light. So it's, I mean, incandescent bulbs are not good for the environment. So I'm not telling everyone to rush out, but incandescent bulbs are great for sleep. Should I light a candle and then like hold the candle to the book? I mean, I feel like that's really (laughs) extreme. I don't think you have to go that far. But if you were to have like, if you were to sit in your living room with like a low light, I think you're okay. So there are a few things when we're dealing with actual insomnia that people need to think about. So obviously what we're talking about right now, these are behaviors and these are sleep hygiene things. These are things that everyone can do to improve the quality of their sleep. But sleep hygiene is not going to cure insomnia. True insomnia and people not sleeping are generally not sleeping because they have a limiting belief around their sleep, number one. So they say things like, and this is not you, but they might say things, I can only sleep if I read my Kindle. I can only sleep if I lay on my couch. I can only, so now it's almost like sleep associations for adults. I can only sleep. So, or they're doing an activity 
that they are telling themselves, I if I do this, it's to sleep. So it's Oh my God, I think that might be me though. I know, I know. But just but only in the one week. But I think this is where period insomnia is so interesting because you are definitely impacted by your hormones. That is legit. What happens after is our spiral. That's our whole like mind that happens. So whenever there is perceived effort towards sleep, if you are doing something and creating an effort, then that means it's bad for you. If you have to do something to sleep, if I have to take a melatonin gummy, if I have to do this, I mean, even think of, I have to spin around three times to sleep. Oh, I only spun, I mean, it's it's obsessive thinking, right? It's a way of thinking, it's limited thinking. So what we want to do, I mean, that's the CBT of it all. We want to really unpack those behaviors. Sleep should be effortless. Sleep is effortless. We are designed to sleep. It is not something we have to work this hard at. You can change some things. So when you do fall asleep effortlessly, it's going well for you. But sleep is effortless. And I really, like, I want to drive that home so hard because anything that anyone is doing to actively make themselves fall asleep will eventually be a problem for them. Mm. My (laughs) husband. (laughs) My Uh. husband. (laughs) I'm so mad. My (laughs) husband is an effortless sleeper. Like, anytime, any place, he can also not get a lot of sleep and be totally functional and like a normal human, it's shocking to me. For me, I have kind of developed this bedtime routine like we were talking about before where like I go upstairs early, like let's say 9 p.m. I like brush my teeth, do all the things, put on my fan, put on my sound machine I go in the exact same position every single night to read my Kindle and then I will literally get so sleepy and then I'll like click off my Kindle, turn around and go to sleep. Like that's my whole thing. And it's like, okay, what would happen though if we took away your, okay, here's a great housewives connection. Two things. Lala Ken, Vanderpump Rules, still sleeps with a bottle at night. Let that ruminate. Number two, Kathy Hilton, could only travel with her fan to sleep. Is that you? And she needed to bring her own fan, and she struggles with insomnia. Yeah, I I will never travel without my sound machine. But listen to this now. Okay, I'm listening. In in 2015, I had surgery. I never slept with a sound machine before, and I slept like downtown Ottawa. It was very loud all the time, no problem sleeping. In 2015, I had surgery on my nose, my sinuses. And then since then, I can hear myself breathing. I breathe through my nose to sleep and I can hear myself breathing. So I was like, I can't sleep. Like I can hear myself fucking breathing. Like I can't sleep with my husband because I can't listen to him breathing. So it's like that, like, like if there's random noises, like city noise, that's one thing. But when it's like a continuous, like sound. I cannot fall asleep. So I got a sound machine and I've been obsessed with it ever since. I don't think that's odd. So then if we have to think about the outcomes, right? For you, you really are experiencing insomnia one week a month. The rest of the time you can sleep. And so many people like, I mean, this is where it goes into 
I like to sleep with white noise when I'm in a hotel. Typically at home, I sleep with a fan like over top. Like it's not making the same white noise, but I think it gives me the illusion of moving air or something. I also like to sleep in blackout conditions. That being said, I don't have any sleep problems. And when I sleep in other places, I'm okay. And for the most part, you're okay. I'm not so deeply... I'm not so deeply connected to these things that if they are not there, I can't sleep. That it, I might like struggle for maybe five more minutes, but I can sleep. I should and test it out. Yeah, like have a little test. I think like, again, a problem is only a problem when it's a problem. So if you're like, look, for the most part, things are fine, then they're probably fine. But there were some things when you and I had our conversation about this, there were a few things that you were kind of talking about that could be actually impacting your pre-period insomnia that you might be able to change. So number one, you were spending a lot of time in your bed physically reading. And so what we like to call that is stimulus control. And we're, when we're working with folks with insomnia, we have to look at what they're doing in bed. Now, for you, I think it's pretty mild. You read an hour before bed. I think that's no big deal. And for the most part, you fall asleep. But for that week, what we really want to do is we only want the sleep or your bed for sleep. That means we're not laying in bed awake. And so one of the things that you were doing, you were laying in bed awake, reading something with a blue light, so we can change that. The other thing that happens with people with insomnia is they fall asleep and they wake up and they lay in bed not sleeping. And what that is the start of this, they call it the, the switch, where with people who can't fall asleep, period, they go, they feel so tired. Their body is doing all of the things they need to do. They go to bed, they lay their head down, and they have a switch. Their eyes open, they can't fall asleep at all. So what, what's the issue? It's that they've trained their body that their bed is a place where they're wakeful and they're stressed. So you can really make those associations. So for someone like you who is like, here it is, I know my period is coming next week. I am going to struggle with sleep. Oh, I knew it. I put my head down and I can't. So you might be almost reaffirming those things sometimes. I mean, I don't know for sure. We're not officially working together. Well, it's like you're stressed about not sleeping. Yeah. Yes. And then you will create situations where you're not. So if you're saying... You know, especially in those weeks you're laying in bed, don't lay in bed anymore. Don't lay in bed for any longer than 15 minutes. If you're not asleep, get up and go read a paper book until you feel sleepy again and then go back down. You know what my mom does? Like my mom struggles with this too. Like I always say, I'm like, you're nuts. Like that's what I used to say. Like (laughs) she will wake up at like three in the morning, get up and like go make a toast, like have a toast, like sit in the living room and then go back to bed. I'm like, you're not, but maybe that's a good idea. I probably wouldn't eat. Oh, the only reason, because it'll start to set your circadian rhythm that you have to wake up at three o'clock to eat. So, but I would, I wouldn't stay in your bed. There, there's a client that I was working with recently who, when I gave this piece of advice, that was such a deterrent for her. She's like, I don't want to get out of bed. Do you know that like one of the, like people really panic about insomnia and they take themselves to the emergency rooms. So then the nurses will tell them, whatever you do, do not fall asleep before the doctor gets here. 
And those people fall asleep immediately because they're no longer like we broke the association almost. That like, yeah, well, it's like, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. No, no, I can't. Oh, what, what if I fall asleep? And then they fall asleep. Like, because sleep is effortless. So, so much of this is our full and entire behavior. So that's stimulus control. People need to really be thinking about what they're doing in their bed, laying in their bed. Anything that you're doing in your bed that isn't sleeping or sex needs to be removed if you're having trouble falling asleep. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. The thing that you said about you're almost creating this like self-fulfilling prophecy of like Oh, I'm not going to sleep, you know? I remember on Armchair Expert, Dax was talking about how, like, his whole identity would be, like, I have insomnia. Like, I don't sleep. Like, I struggle with sleeping. Like, he would tell everybody, like, like that was just, like, his thing, you know? And I don't know if he, like, saw someone about it or he came to the conclusion, but that was the whole thing that he had to change was, like, like stop saying that so much and, like, taking that on as like labeling yourself and like, oh, yes. I'm just not going to sleep. Like, that's just who I am. Like, it's, and it's then his like sleep saying, got way I don't better. Urinate. I don't urinate. I'm not a urinator. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. You, you, it's effortless. It's effortless. Sleep is like all of those bodily functions. So if you are going to place 
thoughts ahead of that or do things that encourage it. So like the other part is, so these go hand in hand. We, we, we want to really target like arousal. So we say that people who are suffering from insomnia, they do a couple of things. They go to bed really early because they say, I want more sleep. sleep. So I have to go to sleep earlier, but actually it's that, that, so when I talk about sleep pressure all the time in relation to babies, but adults have sleep pressure. It's truly the pressure to want to fall asleep. So let's say you go to bed at 10 and then you're up at three and then you have a shitty night of sleep. So you get up at, you know, six, which is your normal time. And then you go, I had such a shitty night. I'm going back to bed until nine, nine o'clock you get up. So now you've been in bed from 10 till nine. And even though there was that wakeful period at night, you did fall back to sleep and you weren't up actually doing things. So your sleep pressure isn't building the way we need to. So now you're up at nine and then you say, I had such a shitty night of sleep. I'm going to go to bed at nine, but your sleep pressure isn't there. And so Colleen Carney talks a lot about the sleep pressure balloon. If we want to imagine a balloon in everyone's head, that when you wake up, that balloon starts to rise with that sleep pressure air. The moment you sleep, the air is expelled from the balloon. Now, when you go to sleep, you want that to bl- that balloon to be taut and like almost not almost popping, but like really, really tight. You don't want to go to bed on a floppy balloon because even if you fall asleep, now we woke up at three o'clock in the morning and our balloon has nothing left in it. And then what we've done is we've perpetuated the cycle. See, I knew it. I was going to be up at three o'clock in the morning again. And then you do it all again. I stay in bed until nine. I go to bed early. So these people are spending sometimes 12 hours a day in their beds, not sleeping, This is really significant. So this is why, number one, you have to get out of your bed when you are not sleeping. But number two is when we are working with our individual clients, we give them something called a sleep prescription, which is we're looking at their average amount of sleep or time in bed, and we're making sure that we're reducing their sleep. So when they go to bed, they're very tired and they have continuous sleep over the night. So they sleep all in a row and they've sort of proven them to themselves that I can sleep. And then we add more time to their prescription as we start to change the beliefs around their sleep. But the sleep pressure is a really significant thing for people as well. So if you're laying in bed, like waiting to fall asleep or sleeping in so much, like that has to be something you evaluate as well. So this morning I woke up at four in the morning, just like wide awake. Like I can always tell, like if I wake up in the middle of the night or like early, early, early morning. And it's funny because like I'll lay there for a little bit, like try and fall back asleep. But then in my mind, I'm like, what time is it? Like, could I get up right now? Like, is it 530? Like, is it two in the morning? Is it six? Like, what time is it? Should I just go have my coffee now? So like, I'll pick up my phone. And then I saw that it was four and I was like, fuck. And so (laughs) I like roll over, try and fall back asleep. But by that time now, I'm just like, do to do, like thinking of all these things. I'm, you know, and I was really bad and I started to read my Kindle, but eventually I fell back asleep. But I can see now where if someone else experienced that today, they would be like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. Like I'm going to have, you know, like a nap in the afternoon or I'm going to go to bed an hour earlier or something like that to try and like make up for like lost sleep or I'm so tired. 
The good thing about me is that I am such a busybody mm-hmm. that I will. You can't. <laughs> I cannot nap. I have never. My husband's always like, take a nap, like go relax, like lay down. I'm like, what? Like, do you know me? I cannot. So I will go, 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 go until it's my usual bedtime, which is a good thing and probably why the cycle doesn't like perpetuate. It's usually like these one off nights. But it's funny because. The couple days right before I got super sick, like a couple weeks ago, last week, I napped in the afternoon. And I, I like, never happens, never. And I, ne- I, I was like, that's interesting. Like, I am quite literally exhausted. Like, I can't function. I need to go lay down. I'm going to just listen to my body and go lay down, like fell asleep two afternoons in a row. And then it was like, like, I was like, okay, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's got to be like some debilitating illness to take you down. This is not normal. But yeah, no, the the sleep pressure thing makes so much sense. You said that you were going to mention some supplements besides melatonin. So can you go over those? Yeah. So I really love, I mean, there are a few that people can be taking for multiple reasons for overall health. Number one, vitamin D. I, this is not an official plug, but like I just did a partnership with milk. Okay. And I'm like, I talk about milk all the time with my clients because milk actually has a ton of magnesium. It has vitamin D, vitamin B6. These things all work together. Now you you can take these supplements on their own as well. So my magnesium glycalcinate or glycalcinate is a great supplement. It's going to aid in that relaxation. So it's going to relax your whole body. That goes back to this whole, you know, when we're talking about insomnia, the arousal part, like how stressed are you in your everyday, finding ways to get in that meditation and or mindfulness. And if you can't do that, supplementing with some magnesium, the vitamin D and vitamin six or vitamin B6 kind of work together. So vitamin D is going to regulate your sleep wake cycles. That's going to look at your circadian rhythm and make sure that's all good. And basically these things are really all working together. They're going to set you up for success. And vitamin D has also been shown to help with immune function, especially in the Northern Hemisphere. We are quite vitamin D deficient. So that I would just say as a straight up, everyone should be doing. But yeah, those things are really significant. They're really easy. I mean, you can find high quality vitamin D, magnesium, B6 everywhere. And And really with very few side effects. You're not taking hormones. Obviously, you want to be checking the quality of your supplements always, but those are my favorite. That's what I recommend. What's interesting to me is that, so Huberman mentions, and I will tell these two because I need to restock them. This is probably why I have like gone to melatonin because I'm out of these ones and I used to keep them on my bathroom counter and it's magnesium threonate and L-theanine okay. that he recommends. And I loved those ones. But what bothers me is why are we marketing melatonin as a kid's product and not these other supplements that are less harmful or like not affecting people's hormones? Like, 
why is there not like a sleep? Maybe there is. Maybe there is. Who knows? Like a sleep thing that has like magnesium and like L-theanine and like this kind of stuff for Milo. Where is that? What I would say is that I don't know that it is. I don't know that people are marketing it. Like I, I don't want to say I'm going to blame mom groups, but I, I, you know, just as part of my job, I've been added to like every mom group. And what happens is like, someone's like my three-year-old stop sleeping and like 18 moms will be like, give them melatonin. So it's sort of this like widely accepted natural thing. I've had lots of like natural paths I've seen online say, give your kid melatonin. It's natural. The concept of natural is really. Isn't it like, isn't heroin natural? Yes, like opium and yeah. <laughs> poppy. Like, yeah, I know, yeah. but we use it as this like marketing tool. Like natural means nothing. Like no, uh, I mean, but it's because it is, and because I can go get it at Loblaws on my next trip, it feels really safe. So I think, I think that there's more education coming out about melatonin. I think that people are doing more studies. I think you're gonna it's going to be hard for people to do that because you, I'm, I'm sure there's some ethics involved in studying children with melatonin in case it's not great for them. But I think that we need more research before we can make that these assessments really confidently. Okay. So what I'm going to do this afternoon with all my free time is I'm going to look into what products there are for children as like supplements is there something like how cool would it be to have a children's supplement that is magnesium and L-theanine and you know these other things that adults are told to take all the time but like when it comes to kids like I remember oh my god I would make Milo a smoothie when he was a baby and I would put I don't know, like one of my freaking, I love supplements and like powders and all this stuff. So like I would put like a protein powder or like a veggie greens kind of thing in his smoothies and people would be like up in arms. Like you're giving that to your kid. I'm like, oh my God, of all the things that people feed their kids, you're gonna like, because I'm giving him greens powders, like it's fine. Like people have this thing where it's like, oh my God, it's a supplement. Like you're going to give your kid magnesium. But like, just because we don't market it, it's not thought of in that way. Yes. But melatonin, it's like, sure, here, like take this melatonin gummy. But I mean, and let's even refer back to, I don't know exactly what episode it is, but I'm going to like say something that people don't like. It's a lot easier to give your kid a melatonin gummy than to deal with the fact that there are some behavioral issues going on in the house and that we actually have to parent around them. And I know that's a shitty thing to say. I'm not blaming parents. I I, I support parents. But it will never go away when we're supplementing this sleep issue away. You're still going to have to deal with the fact that you're setting a boundary and your child is saying no. So now what do we do about that? Because I'm sure sleep is not the only place that this is showing up. So it's going to show up in lots of different other places until you want to face that. And I want to say, like, I'm not shitting on melatonin. Like I just said, I take it a couple days before my period. Like I have been. And also like Milo has his little melatonin gummies. And if 
he doesn't sleep all night, like maybe the next night we know he's going to have trouble falling asleep, we will give him a melatonin. Like I'm not saying like, oh, I'm a perfect parent and I don't do that. But I do think about this stuff all the time and I'm like, fuck, like I don't want to be giving that to him, but what's the alternative? Okay, can I just, before I let you go, can I tell you what happened last night at bedtime? Yes, yes. Okay, so we find like Milo goes in these phases of being an angel to go to bed and then all of a sudden for like a week he's having a really difficult time, like doesn't want to go to bed, like refusing bedtime. So last night was one of the refusing bedtime nights and I could hear my husband upstairs. Milo was giving him a hard time and I could just tell like the mood that Milo was in. I was like, oh fuck, like this is going to be one of those nights, you know? Mm -hmm. So I went up there and I told my husband because my husband was starving. I was like, why don't you go downstairs and eat and I'll whatever. So all I said to Milo, and he like wouldn't get in his bed. He's like on the floor, like making angry, like grunting sounds anytime you asked him a question. And I'm like, so I said, why are you so excited tonight? Like you seem excited. And he was like, I'm not excited. Like, like being, you know, a kid. And I said, well, you seem very angry. Like it's okay that you're angry. And I think I said something along the lines of, Because he asked, like, why do grownups get to stay up? And, like, I want to stay downstairs. And I said, kids need more sleep than than grownups do. And mommy and daddy are going to bed soon. And this, this is the rule in the house. Like, right now it's your bedtime. I'm trying to stay, like, super calm. But when I said the thing about you seem really angry, like, why are you so angry? It's okay that you're angry. He burst into tears. And I was like, oh my God, like, because in my mind, I was like, okay, Renee, like validate, like try and name what he's experiencing right now. So I'm like, you seem really angry, burst into tears. And then he like ran into this little Ikea cubby storage thing. And he was just like tucked in there, bawling his eyes out, like crying. And I'm like, okay, this is one of these situations where if I go and try and connect with him and like talk to him, anything, he's going to escalate and like kick me and like throw something at me. So I just sat on his floor and I was just sitting there and he was crying and he was crying and I was like, do, do, do. And then I started to play with one of his toys that he was really into right now, just by myself, like playing with this toy on the floor. And then eventually he stopped crying and he came over and started playing with me. And I was like, oh my God, like, okay. And so after he was calm for a little bit, I said, can mommy have a hug? Like gave him a hug and we eventually like got into bed and he picked out a book to read and it was like a non-issue after that. So I felt like a fucking champion of a parent. (laughs) Yes. It doesn't always go that way. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Doesn't always go that way. But when he has these like... When they're three years old, when they're in a crib, it's like you plop them in their crib and you leave and they might fuss for a bit and then they go to sleep. When they can physically now walk downstairs and be like, no, I'm not going to bed. It's like, what the hell? Like, what? What do we do? Like, do you physically carry your child back up and like just do that 10 times and like while they're screaming? Like... I don't understand. There are so many, uh, 
there's so many things that you can try. I What I really want to focus on, though, is the fact that you took that connection moment before and connected with him and allowed him to feel his feelings. Because sometimes, like... The other thing, too, is we're recording this in September. Kids are back to school, and there is a lot of stuff going on for them. And there's something called, like, a, some behavior collapse or restraint. Restraint collapse. Yeah. And so they've kept it together all day. He might not even know why he's feeling his feelings. And toddlers and preschoolers are often like that. We want them to have complex adult answers for things that don't make sense to them yet. So he's holding the the weight of his world during the day. And what could be really helpful in maybe even, um, like kids are kids. It is normal for kids to push back. I should say that as well. It is not normal for kids to consistently and ongoing be compliant. And usually when there are, it's because there's not great things happening in the home. So it is normal for kids to push back. So, you know, you found this time to, you know, you you were feeling him, you were feeling that he was a little bit off. Simply finding those connection times, even before bed, 15 minutes, no screen, no iPad, sitting, playing, you can set a timer if you want. Let's just chat, chat in your bed. Don't phone it in. Be there. It doesn't have to be forever. You know, tell me about your day. You don't want to tell me about your day. Tell me how you're feeling. You know, I feel like, you know, just giving them that time and space to release. Because he let that emotion go. And then you were able to sort of get him on board for everything else. And I think that's just such a good reminder of the need for a wind down period, a need for like, if it's possible to, I, I'm not saying have hour long bedtime routines, but having a slower routine that isn't so rushed. And look, I'm speaking from experience. I often will have evening calls or I have something. So then I'm like, guys, we have to go to bed. Let's go. No one wants to go to bed like that. I don't want to go to bed like that. So, you know, maybe starting a little bit earlier, having those connection times. If you're doing all of that, and this is something that's a real consistent issue for you, I feel like you and I made this like amazing podcast that I sent to all of my toddler clients around just some of the brass tacks about sleep. Sleep is not an option. And if your child is not sleeping, there will be effects to that, whether that's behavioral, physical, who knows. If you are at that point, then there are several things that you can do. You can start implementing a sleep kind of program with them under like really underscoring the importance of sleep, setting boundaries. If you if they come out of the room, walking them back up 10 times, that is a strategy. For some kids, that's going to work. For other kids, that's going to become a game where they come down 700 times. If that happens, for, you know, depending on the age of the child, you could implement something like a gate. You can implement something. I know we've talked about locks on doors. I don't love locks on doors for kids this age, but I have, you know, I've had kids old enough in my practice where we do. There's a great book that if people want to do this on their own. It's called What to Do When You Dread Your Bed, and it's by a PhD psychologist, Don Huberman, and she, is it Huberman? Or maybe I'm saying that because you said that. <laughs> I'll double check. Now I have to look. I'll double check. But this, it's a wonderful book, and we base a lot of our programs on it about, you know, reward systems, having, you know, you would have some tickets. They would use these tickets to call you back. At the end of the callbacks, they don't get tickets, so there's that consequence. They can't earn their, towards their prize. 
There's a million things that you can do that get them on board. But for some kids, if they're really, really pushing the boundaries, it might come down to you saying, listen, there is something called a door monkey that like attaches to their door. It keeps their door ajar so they can still feel connected. They can talk. They can yell outside of it. But I've had to say to some clients, we're at the end here, and now this is really a health issue for everyone, you know, because now the parent is stressed, the parent is yelling, the parent isn't getting sleep, the child isn't getting sleep, sometimes they're going to school, there's behavior issues, so then I would really outline, here it is, I don't want to put this on your door, but I might have to, let's talk about that, and nine times out of ten, the kids are like, okay, no problem, you don't have to put that on my door, I will stay. <laughs> I'm going to Google door monkey immediately. Yes. Not that I think, like, I don't think we have that severe of a problem. Like, no, it doesn't. It seems to be like it's not consistent. It's, Mm -hmm. yeah, but the connection thing before bed, Mm -hmm. 100% we should be doing something like that because right now our bedtime routine is like we sit upstairs, like he has his snack, he puts on his PJs, brushes his teeth, but we watch his shows before we take him into his room for a little bit. But I think before we go into his room, the TV should go off and we should be, you know, maybe we have like a set of five questions that we go through every night as a family and like talk about. Yeah, we got to change up that part of the bedtime routine for sure. Especially in the weeks where it's tough because screens are confusing because the child is calm watching them but they are not internally. Their brains are processing a lot. So if it's possible, like we don't really have TV in my house before bed for that reason. And it's so funny on the nights that we do, my youngest daughter will be like, I'm just thinking about the show. (laughs) I'm like, okay. But yeah, honestly, if there are problems or maybe on the weeks where there are, you can pull back the TV on those weeks if they're too stimulating. Oh, just always learning and adjusting and pivoting and parenting, hey? Eh? Oh my gosh, it's a it's a journey. It's a wave. Hashtag like blessed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. well, this was amazing. I could talk to you all day. Obviously, I will keep you posted on the Luann Cabaret. I really hope we get to go. I'm I'm gonna actually text my friend right now and be like, "Did we get tickets? Why don't you interview her? And if you do." I have to come over as a PA. I will keep my shit together. But okay. I'll be like, hi, can I get you some water? We, we <laughs> can pitch her. Cool. Yeah, we'll pitch you her. You have to. You okay. have to. Oh, my God, do it. Okay, I will. I will. Come over. We will pitch her right now. Well, this was great. Tell everybody where they can find you online and a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I help everyone sleep, adults and children and babies. Sleep fairy. Sleep Fairy. You can find our infant and child services at babiesbestsleep.com. You can find our adult services at restmybest.com and we will help you sleep. And the what I really love, I'll, I'll just I'm putting out a hard push. People don't help their insomnia. Dak Shepard's such a great example of that person who's like, I'm an insomniac. We are helping people in like two to three sessions. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's really, really great. And the, the, you see the change so immediately that, that you start to tell yourself new stories. And I, I just like, I used to think sleep training like babies was the most like rewarding thing. But seeing these adults who haven't slept in three years, it's amazing. Mm. All right. Well, thank you so much for the conversation. And I'm sure 
We'll be chatting soon again on the podcast universe. Wonderful. Thank you for having me.